Hey there, this is Tammy File, and I'm so glad that you could join us today. We want you to know that whatever you're facing, we are here praying for you. And we pray that you're able to experience the presence of the Lord in your circumstances and that you will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you matter to God. Tonight, we attempt to to ask the question, where is God when bad things happen in my life? This is a a difficult subject, and yet one we all know very well. And um, can't wrap it up in a bow for you. Not gonna. It would be uh, wrong to even do that. But I do think God has some things for us to consider regarding it, that perhaps will give us some hope and perhaps set, uh, shed some light on some of the questions that we've had. So, if you will open your Bibles to Second Samuel chapter twenty-two, that's early in the Bible. There are two Samuels. You want to go to the second one? Second Samuel chapter 22. All right. Second Samuel chapter 22. Before we... Um, Before we begin, I would like to just go before the Lord. Father God, I am grateful to be here tonight. I'm thankful that this is the life you have given to me. Um, And at this point in my life, I'm thankful for every step that has brought me to this place. Um, Tonight, I just feel like a sponge, sort of. It's the only picture I can, that comes to mind, which means I feel flimsy, full of holes, not in a starving way or not in a, um, I don't know, even insecure way, but I'm just very aware that there is no strength that is really in me. You are my strength. You are what surrounds me. You are what uh, undergirds me, and you are what is deep inside of me. So if there is anything holding this girl up tonight, it is you. And I thank you that that is who you want to be. This sponge in particular is grateful that you hold me up. So, Father God, tonight I ask you to come and do what you desire to do. This is difficult. My heart wants to run from it. But, Father, I believe that's the message you want for us tonight, and I pray that you will just come in and minister. Minister deeply. Speak into our hearts, Father. Touch those places in us you desire to bring healing to. You never desire to just bring pain. You always want to bring healing. And so I ask you tonight, Father, to come tenderly, uh, with with truth and with hope, with mercy and with great love, compassion, that you will come in and um, speak to us and uh, strengthen us. Let us leave here stronger than when we came in. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Second Samuel chapter 22. David sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge, and my savior. From violent men you save me. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I am saved from my enemies. The waves of death swirled about me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. 
The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I called out to my God. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came to his ears. The earth trembled and quaked. The foundations of the heavens shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, bolts of lightning blazed forth. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot arrows and scattered the enemies, bolts of lightning and routed them. The valleys of the sea were exposed and the foundations of the earth laid bare at the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of breath from his nostrils. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Verse 26, to the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To the blameless, you show yourself blameless. To the pure, you show yourself pure. But to the crooked, you show yourself shrewd. You save the humble, but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them low. You are my lamp, O Lord. The Lord turns my darkness into light. With your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord, Lord is flawless. He is a shield for all who take refuge in him. For who is God beside the Lord, which is Jehovah? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of deer. He enables me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You give me your shield of victory. You stoop down to make me great. You broaden the path beneath me so that my ankles do not turn. I pursued my enemies and crushed them. I did not turn back till they were destroyed. I crushed them completely and they could not rise. They fell beneath my feet. You armed me with strength for battle. You made my adversaries bow at my feet. You made my enemies turn their backs in flight, and I destroyed my foes. They cried for help, but there was no one to save them. To the Lord, but he did not answer. I beat them as fine as the dust of the earth. I pounded and trampled them like mud in the streets. Verse 47, the Lord lives. Praise be to my rock. Exalted be God, the rock, my Savior. He is the God who avenges me who puts the nations under me, who sets me free from my enemies. You exalted me above my foes. From violent men, you rescued me. And therefore, I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing praises to your name. And that is where we stop. This passage may seem familiar to you because on day five of week seven, which was just about a week ago now, you guys studied Psalm 18. Well, Psalm 18 is the duplicate of what we just read. It is in two places in the scriptures. And so you spent some time with this um, just a week or so ago. And so 
The Lord has brought us back to it, though, to help uh, look at some of the things. Where is God when bad things happen in my life? And one of the things we want to know for sure right away is that bad things happen to everyone. I know that it doesn't feel like everybody gets the same degree of bad. And you know what? They don't. Not everyone experiences the same, um, perhaps, magnitude of um, um, circumstances that, you know, are very descriptive. But the damage done to the human heart and soul is very much the same. We have to um, resist the temptation to compare how bad is your story with mine, because we think then that we would know something they don't know. Every human heart and soul knows harm, heartache, some degree of devastation, loss, pain, and inadequacy. There is no human heart and soul that is left sufficient without God. So we have point number one on your outline, which is this. Sometimes we think that God's protection that he promises will mean no harm comes to us. Sometimes we think that when God talks of protection, it means no harm. On one side of our head, we say, well, we know bad things are going to happen. But on the other side, when we read scriptures that talk about protection, don't we think, but wait a minute, you had the power to stop that thing and you didn't. So sometimes we feel like if God was watching, no harm would have happened. The big picture I want you to take in tonight is that God has a plan for your life. This is not on your outline. You have a very simple outline. I did not feel well this week, and God has me bringing this um, more from the heart. But, but the big picture he has is that God knew in advance what was going to happen. Here's what I want you to take in. I, I didn't always live in this place, so I want to help us think about this tonight. Um, God always knew every harm that would befall you before one of them happened. We have established in these 10 weeks of study, if nothing else, that your God keeps a book on you. And you can find that in Psalm 139 and you can find it in Psalm uh, 56. He keeps a book with your tears in it. He keeps a record and it says every day of your life was recorded in his book before one of them came to pass. That is in Psalm 139. You cannot get out of this, everyone. He knew what was coming. God's plan has always included the redemption of those things. In other words, God is not reacting to your harm. We kind of think that he, he might have looked away and then it happened. We, we think we're praying out to him, hey, God, come respond, respond. We do need him to respond to us. But he's not just responding to the event He's been preparing for it. He knew this was coming. So when he drew the outline or the blueprint for your life, let me back up and say this. You know that God has a plan for your life. I think most of us would agree, at least mentally with that. The enemy has a plan for your life as well. And we need to lay that flat on the table beside the first one because whatever agenda God has for you, the enemy wants to destroy it. Are we in agreement on that? Okay, so as soon as you come into this world, <clears throat> the enemy has a design of, of wanting to, uh, to do things in your life. But God 
knew ahead of time what was going to come. God isn't reacting to the words. He planned triumph and redemption before the things would ever occur. I'm trying to put this into words. Before the enemy could take his plan. Oh, let me add you this. The enemy can't know the future the way God does. He is not omniscient. That means all-knowing. I don't know in the spirit realm what things, there are so many questions we have for this. But one thing we know is he does not have the same power that God does. And it seems like if the enemy really knew what God was going to do with what, like you take a life that, that the enemy wreaked havoc in. If he could know that God would multiply that for his kingdom a hundred times in his favor instead of the enemy's favor, do you think the enemy would even do it? He wouldn't be very smart if he was. He's not going to win. But either way, what we know is that whatever plan the enemy has had, and I think he's continually coming up with it, God has known in advance. He knows everything the enemy will do. He knows every response and choice you make. And so he has woven a plan into place that if you can learn to trust your God, to walk with him in spite of the enemy telling you he is not trustworthy, and if you can learn to cooperate with these processes of learning to understand where he is leading you and learning to understand how he does soul surgery to restore and redeem these places of brokenness, if we can learn that, then his entire plan will be triumph and redemption for those things. It doesn't mean you're necessarily going to get to the end of your life and feel like, I have prevailed. But you won't feel the same brokenness you felt before those things became true. In other words, you do not have to end as broken and pitiful and and beat up as you were when the harm came. Your God does not want to leave you in that place. And his plan has thoroughly had covered what the enemy was planning to do in your life. When we think about Sometimes what we think about God's protection and no harm, we also think, number two, we think God's rescue means now, don't we? Rescue. Oh, you read these verses. I called out to you and you came. You moved heaven and earth. Really? He didn't do that for me. Did he do it for you? He didn't do it for David that way either. I want you to understand, we have not had a chance yet to, to study David. We will probably be able to do that after our spring break. And I'm very excited about the material we're going to get to do starting in January. I'm going to get to do some of the teaching I really enjoy to recognize some of the work of the enemy, to better identify the Holy Spirit's leading, how to stay in the flow of the Holy Spirit, how to get that tangled up mess of voices that are inside your head, not schizophrenic voices, but you know, your heart and your mind and your spirit and the enemy, um, When we get them untangled, we get better balance and are able to be focused. And um, we're going to get to teach on some of that stuff coming up. I'm really excited about that. But what I want you to understand is um, we think that, that, that rescue means now. David's picture of his life included battle after battle after battle. When, when they came and anointed him, and when we'll study this in the future, but when they came and anointed him, he was, he was a young boy. Do you know life turned upside down and bad for him after that? Um, 
I'm trying to remember how many years it is. I think around 13 years or something like that. He was on the run from King Saul. Even though he had been anointed the next king, he didn't get to waltz in there and become king. He had a Goliath to slay. And then he had the king with all of the best troops in the land chasing him through rock and vale and valley and hill for years till he was 30 years old. And then he only was king of, of part of the country for seven years and then, or seven and a half, and began finally to have the whole country. You'll sometimes hear the Israel divided into Judah and Israel, and you'll see some of that as we move forward. Listen, David did not have a life of ease. He didn't snap his fingers and God, poof, everything was gone. And it sort of sounds like that in this, doesn't it? This is written towards the end of his time. Um, what you have to know is, metaphorically what he's saying in the big picture my God came through for me and he had to move mountains to do it and God did over and over and over come through for for David so sometimes we think God's rescue means now number three we think God's vindication will be evident we think God's vindication will be evident. In case you need to hear this tonight, your God has a plan to vindicate your losses. It is throughout scripture. It's part of justice. That doesn't mean he wants to um, annihilate whoever hurts you. God's, one of the most beautiful things that I have learned about God's plan um, in the last number of years is this. He wants redemption for both sides. He wants to work in both ends. So whoever harmed you, he does hold them accountable for that. There are There is a harvest of circumstances and consequences that they will reap in their life. However, while he is working to restore these things within you, he wants them to not stay in that place where they would continue that pattern of behavior. He is actively working to restore them. He doesn't want, his grace and mercy includes both sides. This is part of why having revenge as a mindset is the worst thing you can do. And unforgiveness. Um, just understanding God is working on both sides of things. He does not ignore it. He never looks at a situation and says, okay, you asked for forgiveness, so I'll pretend that never happened. While that person can have restoration of fellowship with him, there is still tangled up knots that he has to deal with in their lives so that they don't stay in that place. Same as you and same as me. So please don't think that God ever just looks away and says, well, you know, that's just the way it went. God will redeem. God will restore. He will vindicate. You will see the scripture over and over. Listen, online, there are search tools. If you say, I don't know about this vindication thing, you can go on websites online and search for the word vindicate or vindication in the New Testament, Old Testament, and it'll pop up every single verse where that word is there. And over and over, you'll see God's the one who is doing that vindication. Where is God when bad things happen? We want him to vindicate, and he will, but it will be in his own way. Zechariah 2.8 is in your outline. It says, Whoever touches you touches the apple of my eye. It matters to God when you are harmed. Look at Isaiah 49, 14 through 19. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. Now, when we see Zion, back up for just a second, you've been learning if you see uh, Jerusalem, Israel, uh, Zion, that kind of thing. 
You can substitute in because you are one of God's children. You can actually substitute yourself in there. But but he's saying, my people is what Zion means. My people have said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. Here's his reply. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. The next part of that, verses 23b through 26. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. Can plunder be taken from warriors or captives rescued from the fierce? But this is what the Lord says. Yes, captives will be taken from warriors and plunder retrieved from the fierce. I will contend with those who contend with you and your children. I will save your God as a matter of honor, cares deeply about the things that happen to you. I'm going to turn to Psalm 121 and read you just a little bit. It's, it's short. I think all of it's on the screen, but I can't be, be positive. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Do you hear a praise song anywhere in there? The maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is at your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. I don't know about you, but I can honestly stand before you and tell you that scriptures like that used to hurt me deeply because it felt like God must have felt that way for somebody else, but not for me, because I've known a lot of harm in my life. The enemy's campaign against me has been ruthless. It has been brutal. And so when you look at scriptures like that, as, I, as God was doing soul surgery in me, in these places, I would come to scriptures like that and they would hurt deeply. Why didn't you do that for me, God? Why didn't you rescue me? I have had a number of significant traumas in life. And each time I came into one of those, I was praying God would rescue me out of it. Do you guys pray that way? I'm a wimp. Let me go out of here. I don't want to endure this. And we shouldn't want to endure that. A few years ago, well, first of all, around 18, I had to come to terms. It really finally dawned on me that if God had always known, I had learned the catechism on this, but I finally learned, if, I, if he'd always known, what the heck was he doing with my life? He didn't feel very trustworthy. Well, but even into my 30s, God was still stirring up the pot here a little bit and saying, Tammy, what about that time, those times that you've called me to help you? How did I rescue you out of that? Well, he really didn't. We had to just walk through it. Can we be honest? How did he rescue me? Now, I could give you a real pious spiritual answer and say to you, well, you know, his rescue takes all kinds of forms. But here's what I would tell you. His rescue came after the fact. I want you to hear this. Sometimes his rescue comes after the fact. That trauma, that jail could be a long period of time. It can be. 
But the rescue came after. It didn't come from it. If you want to call it a fiery furnace in keeping with some scriptures and story, he didn't pull me out of the flames. And, and so what I had learned to deal with is say, well, God, you knew this would benefit your kingdom. He knew that whole, he had a plan and he knew what was coming. He also knew what I would do to respond to those issues. And he said, well, I can use that for my glory. And so I'd come to a place of saying, okay, you know what? I don't like being God's illustration. What do y'all think? But I have been. And on this side of things, I'm okay with it. But there was a long period of time I was not. I don't want to be that. But but what, I had just come to this place of saying, okay, you wanted me to be a living, you know, illustration, fine. You get glory. I'm a stronger, better person as a result. Okay. In 2008, God started stirring my pot again in another way. And he went back to a specific time period in my life a long time back and said, Tammy, how did I answer the prayers of that girl? How did I answer the prayers? Not just those little pat answers I have that I've only had to live with. How did I answer her prayers? I don't think you did. I had to think back. And I was like, don't ask me this question. Y'all ever have this conversation? Don't do this to me. I'm okay. I don't want to talk about that, God. And over and over, over a span of weeks into months, the same question kept coming. How did I answer her prayers? I don't know. I don't think you did, but I don't want to talk about it. We're past that now, God. And there came this place that he was working it and working it and working it in me. And I was ticked off with God. I really was. I was rubbed raw by this thing. I don't want to talk about this, God. But he kept on and on and on. And, and Psalms like one Psalm, uh, Psalm 121 are the kinds of things that would really chafe that. I want to give you a picture tonight that I, I think will help us a little bit. Let me ask you a question. If you could know that no matter what actually happened in a circumstance, that person would not be ruined as a result, would you see it the same way? I think there was a movie, and I can't recall what it was. I think it was about a su superhero who discovered he couldn't be killed, and he killed himself every... Has anybody ever seen that? And they, he just kept jumping in front of trains. Groundhog Day does this too. Do y'all remember the Bill Murray uh, movie, Groundhog Day? You know, once he discovers, no matter what he does, he's going to wake up on Groundhog Day, same time, you know, the little radio clock flips over and the song starts over again. He starts doing crazy things. He jumps out in front of buses and he takes a truck and flies over the edge of a ravine with the groundhog with him. I don't know if y'all remember those things, but every time there'd be back. Here's what I want to suggest to you. Your soul, which for our purposes here tonight is going to encompass everything inside of you, outside of your physical body, heart, mind, spirit, everything that is part of who you are. It is infinite. Now, I don't mean you're all-knowing, all-powerful like God. I mean it is eternal. It, it, it goes on and on. It is limitless. Now, I don't mean your power is limitless. I mean that no matter what happens right here on this earth, your soul will go forward unharmed. It does not leave part of itself on earth. We think that it will. Now we are shaped by what happens here. And while it is devastating at the time it happens, and it isn't fair, we get this thing. That's not fair, God. You're right. It's not fair, but we don't get fair. And thankfully we don't get fair given the whole atonement situation, right? We don't get fair. We get mercy. But listen to me. 
Your soul cannot be ruined by the enemy. While you're here on earth, he's going to convince you that he has done that. He's going to have you head, hang your head and not meet people's eyes. He's going to have you afraid to shine. He's going to tell you you're inadequate. You have nothing to offer. He's going to tell you all sorts of things. But nothing can happen to your soul that is irreparable. No matter what happens here on earth, when you go into eternity, every piece of you goes with you. The enemy doesn't keep a piece of you. It is a short time here, and I don't want to diminish at all what goes on here, but I want you to think God allows some of these things to happen knowing it's not the harm you think it is. It's pain, but it isn't the harm you think it is. Sometime back, I was having a difficult time with a friendship and someone, uh, something I was reading said, there's a difference in hurting somebody and harming someone. Hurting someone does damage against a person, but harming a person is when something really long-term actually happens. Like something can be painful. Think of this. If you need to have surgery, that's pain. That hurts, but it does not harm you. It helps you. The same thing can be true in our soul. It hurts. But in the end, every piece of us goes forward. God knows that no matter what the enemy says to you, he does not win in your life. You will leave this earth with your soul intact. What do we do when we do not see his rescue or redemption coming? I've been here. You've been here. Can I ask you two things? If you're in the middle and you say, I do not see his rescue or fine, I'm not in the situation, but I don't see him redeeming anything. Two things I want to say to you. Number one, keep being honest. You be honest with your God. I sure hope this study is helping you. Be honest. He already knows what's lurking in your heart. When you can finally put it into words, that's for your benefit, not his. He already knows what's down there. We're the ones who don't know what lies within us. He brings it up and helps us see it. When he does that, he wants to take it from us for us to offer it to him. So you be honest with your God. And secondly, you keep watching for that redemption and that rescue. You keep watching. Do not give up hope. He is at work. Psalm 147.3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Psalm 34.18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I have asked the question, where is God when bad things happen in my life? That particular last scripture there came to me in a season of deep devastation. And, and some of what you're going to read soon includes part of my testimony of finally quitting on God. I came to a place in my walk where I couldn't pretend I had any more answers. I was teaching a Bible study class at the time here. Some of you were in that class. But I was at this place of saying, you know what, God? I can tell them everything you say you are. But I don't know it for myself. My head knows it, but I do not see evidence of it in my life. That was eight years ago now, almost nine. And I would not give the world for the shattering he had had in place to take all of that away and give me what I bring to you every single week and in these pages. A real person's testimony who says it is not perfect and it is hard and it hurts but stick with it because he will not fail you. I am so glad for all the things he has brought in my life. I would never want anyone else to be hurt so that I could be helped. 
But let me tell you, that is not what he is about. He is about taking what the enemy has planned against you and turning it around, not just for his glory, although that is ultimately things, but for your good. I had the benefit of saying to someone about a year ago, you know, that thing that happened, I'm not worse because of it. I'm not worse. I'm better because of it. But only by God. That's not because of anything I did. Listen, the only thing I have ever done in life is I guess just hang on to him. I really think that's it. I just hung on. And I think it's only because I'm just a hair bright enough to know there was no better option. I learned hard-headed, stubborn self early on that I have limits to what I can do. I learned it as a very little girl. I cannot control life. And I'm glad he put those limits in place for me. I want to go back to you and tell you in the end here that in 2008, I told you he was stirring the pot with me, certain phrases I used, and asking that question, how did I answer those prayers? And I told you I was real aggravated with him. Well, I was doing a study. I'd also written a book or a manuscript that I believed was at his pushing and um, had submitted it to the proper channels and basically got a letter back that said, your writing is mediocre, but your story is one is, is the same as a million other people's stories. Thank goodness God redeems people. And, you know, if we should publish yours, we should publish every other human being's story too. And um, I've, I just, I, I just laid that on the altar because I had only done it in obedience, not because I believed um, that I was worthy to do that thing. I don't believe that. And so that came at the same time as he's asking that question. Where was I? Well, I have led you through the scriptures on Mephibosheth. These are, these are like snapshots of my relationship with God. And, and as I was studying through Mephibosheth, I came to that part that I shared with you guys a couple weeks ago where Mephibosheth said to David, after all else had happened, do you remember David said, you know, he gave away his whole inheritance and Mephibosheth, let him keep it. I'm just glad to have you back. And as I was reading that, I was reading straight through 2 Samuel. And I was struck by that because I felt God say to me, I just had the manuscript thing just completely fail and had become utterly convinced I was not going to ever write again. And, um, and certainly the whole Bible study writing thing had been out the window a long, long time ago for me, long time ago. And so um, I, this had just happened to, and I felt like I was humiliated. And Lord, I know you must have a purpose in this. But once again, I'm just feeling really humiliated here. And I felt him say, Tammy, are you willing to give up everything you want in life? And will I be enough? Will just having me be enough? And I don't know what in me could possibly have responded well, but I got it. The light bulb went on for me and it was this. Yes, you are enough. And you know why? Because he has been faithful to me. He has not fixed everything. He did not prevent many, many things. He did not rescue me out of many things, but my life is that I am no longer the broken, tangled up mess I once was. Now, I'm not saying I'm anything. I am utterly convinced I'm not. I know my limitations so very well. I really am a sponge that's flimsy, but I know this. Anything good about me is him. Anything good about me is him and it is his work, but the enemy's work doesn't get to triumph. The enemy's work does not triumph. Not today. 
And I pray that will not be true when I go into the ground someday. He came in and I continued reading 2 Samuel and I got to where we just read from in 2 Samuel 22. And I was reading on and I was reading on and he caught me and he pulled me back. He pulled my attention back to the beginning part, and it goes back. I mean, David goes back and over and over this, if you, if you study this, he will say over and over, God is, God is, God is, and God does. But here's what he came back to. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. You know, the horn of my salvation is where they would blow the trumpet. He is my stronghold, my refuge, and my savior. Listen, here's what he said to me, Tammy. How did I answer the prayers of that girl? Lord, I don't know. I don't want to talk about this. How did I answer those prayers? And here's what he said to me. I gave you better than a rescue, Tammy. When he speaks to me, it's probably Tammy Turner and study Tammy file, but because that's who I've always been. But he says this, this is how it was. I gave you better than a rescue. I came into that place with you and I was with you as a girl in ways that are extraordinary. And you know what? I hung my head. I hung my head and felt so not worthless, but just so just humbled, I guess is the word, because what I do is he gave me the best he could have given me. Rescue is not the better thing. I got to know my God in ways I would not know him had I not gone through those things. He came into those places with me. And even as a young girl, I did believe in him and I did love him. And he didn't show up in the ways I wanted him to but he was with me. And to this day, the one thing I would say to you, it is crazy. It is insane. It is not in my own understanding. I can't figure it out, but he is with me. He is. And even if I never, ever serve him again publicly, a year ago that died in me, even the desire to serve him because I have no merit to do it. That prayer retreat turned everything. I was done. I'm just done. He is with me. And that is it. So whatever he asked me to do, there's not a no in me because I've got only yeses for him. He is worth it. He was with me. And sister, I just want to say to you, he's given you better than a rescue. He will redeem it. He will not leave you broken if you will cooperate. We all know people who have stayed bitter and have not cooperated. Don't fault God for that. That's their choice. You have a choice and nobody can fix it for you but he is with you, which is the best thing he could possibly give you. If you would like to study along with me, you can find the workbooks at tammyfile.com and just click on the bookstore tab. This message coordinates with the first workbook in the Journey with God series called Discovering the Father's Heart.